0: I'll tell you why I live where I live If you want to find out where you live, you'll need a map. And this is what this is about. It's from Jonathan Ruddock. He's, uh, and he lives at a joint called Gravillia Robusta. You know, that's silky oak. Back in the early 1990s, you read about where I live with the southern silky oak trees in southeast Queensland. He lives at Derrymore, And I still live there with my wife, dogs and cattle... Our boys have grown up and have moved on, but that's their story. Since we last corresponded, I developed the Gatton Sun Map Agency selling maps. And I also produced a local roads and street directory. And he's enclosed a copy of it here. When the Grantham floods hit in 2011... Jeez, that that long ago. Wow. I received an urgent call to come down to Gatton and open up my shop as the army had arrived to help, but they had no maps. By 10am that morning, I had sold out my entire stock of maps covering the Lockyer Valley. Since then, technology has advanced to the point where hard copy maps are now a thing of the past, except for those people who have not mastered the skills needed to use the new technology. That's me. See the ad on the back of my street directory, which I turn to and it says, when your IT navigator and GPS fail, you'll need hard copy maps. (laughs) Exactamundo. When the electricity fail, it'd be nice to have a candle. Exactly that sort of thing. Besides producing and marketing my Downs Lockyer, I hold and sell a large range of topographic maps. Inquiries for maps come from all over the place, and last week an old bushy asked if I had any four miles to the inch maps of the Jericho-Jordan area in central Queensland. Yes, I did, and I went on to explain that when Australia went metric in the 60s, these maps were changed to one 250,000 scale. He looked at what I had pulled out, found the map he wanted, and started to reminisce about the local geographic features. You see that hill there? Well, the view from down there, down that valley, is really something to behold. My wife and I used to sit up there for hours at a time, enjoying it all. I need that map so they know where to scatter our ashes in the fullness of time. Yes, Maca, hard copy maps have always stood the test of time and will continue to do so, just like your show. Get on with it. Jonathan Ruddock. Jonathan, that's lovely, thank you. Thank you. I hope we stand the test. I think we have stood the test at home, I suppose. You might remember a couple of weeks ago, I read a letter that I'd received eight years ago. It was from Mung and Mungandai. It was from a lady called Margaret Harrison. And it was just so such a lovely letter. And it was about music and Don Burroughs. And it was just so well written. Lots of people loved it. Well, Margaret heard it, of course. Um, well, not of course, but she went back and heard it online and she said, because she's not in Mungandai anymore, she said, When you were reading my letter, she says, it brought back the most wonderful memories, but at the same time, some sadness too. For the first few years after we left Mungandai, I was almost undone by homesickness, and that probably happens to you when you leave. Who knows? We left because my husband was sick and needed prolonged treatment in Brisbane. I don't think I would have ever left. I loved it there. But life has a way of just dragging you forward. Now my husband is well again and involved with a new and exciting farming project northwest of Georgetown, just 130 K's from the Gulf, which is where I'm writing to you from. You need your maps for this. I share my time between here and Brisbane. This is another amazing part of the world. I didn't know much about the far north, and everything about it felt quite foreign to me. The soil, the weather patterns, the animals, and the trees could have been from another country. They were so different among and I. It's what they call... The dry tropics. You probably know all this, Macca. Great, wide, dry rivers of sand cut across the earth during the dry season, which is most of the time. When I first saw the magnitude of these sand rivers, it seemed impossible that they could ever be filled with water. In some parts, they're a few kilometres or more across. But of course, they do fill with water, and in the wet season, there's more water than you can imagine. The rivers break their banks and form lagoon after lagoon after lagoon. From the air... They look like these amazing gleaming necklaces, soft green at the edges with moss. It's quite wondrous. Thank you again for reading my letter. I've never forgotten how you helped us promote the music festivals in Mungandai. We had no money for marketing and it was your show that brought the people to Mungandai in their thousands. You also helped us unexpectedly fill Angel Place in Sydney when we played there. No prizes unfortunately, just the gratitude of one woman and those lucky enough to enjoy the true magic that was the Mungandai Music Festival. Margaret Harrison. Good on you, Margaret. And finally and quickly, this is from a bloke called Bruce Webster. He says, um, further to my previous correspondence, <laughs> I have moved from Wallaga Lake to the above address in Bermagui. So again, you need your maps. I always love your maps. I love maps. I miss the pot of seven eastern grey kangaroos feeding at dusk, but this has been compensated by the view of the Tasman Sea. Also, Montague Island can be viewed at a distance of 9 k's due east of Naruma and a similar distance from where I'm living. To my left is the majestic Dromedary Mountain, which was named by Lieutenant James Cook during his voyage along the eastern coast of Australia in 1770. It was so named because of the distinct hump or saddle along the ridge of the mountain. Subsequently, it became an outstanding landmark for seafarers who sailed these waters. Local Aboriginals of the time named the mountain Gulaga, and even to this day, it has significant and spiritual meaning to them. Life continues to be great in Bermagui. Bruce Webster. If you'd like to write to Why I Live Where I Live, it's Post Office Box 9994 Sydney 2001, or email us, or fax us, or text us, or uh, whatever. You know the deal. And that's Why I Live Where I Live for this week. G'day, this is Macca. Yeah, how you going, Macca? I'm good, thank you. What's your name?
1: My name is Dean... And I'm calling from London.
0: Oh, right. And, um, yeah, what are you doing in London, Dean?
1: Well, I'm sort of transiting. I uh, came up uh, a few days ago and was in Rome. Um, I'm actually working towards getting uh, over to Africa uh, with the small-scale mining technology that I've developed in uh, in Australia and uh, over the years and it's actually a great call for it now. So it's um, used... Or you know, providing an alternative to people using uh, mercury in small-scale mining. So my technology actually doesn't use mercury. So there's a beginning to be a pretty big call for it now.
0: And w- so, what do you use, Dean, instead of mercury? What do you, what sort of, what's the small-scale mining uh, venture using?
1: Yeah. Look, um, if you, it's just basically like sluicing technology, if you if you build it in such a way that it uh, is efficient and, um, you know, recovers the heavies. You don't need mercury. Mercury is just a lazy man's way of mining and a lazy person's way of mining. And uh, unfortunately, um, the technology that people have in, in the world, you know, in, in the third world and under underdeveloped countries is, is essentially um, like wooden, you know, wooden sluice box or wooden boxes with a bit of carpet in it. So, you know, understandably, they've got to use an agent to help them catch mercury and, and that's what... Oh, sorry. Catch the gold, and that's what mercury is. It's uh, it's an agent for for capturing the gold, and because gold sticks to mercury, and, and you know it was used uh, historically throughout Australia and indeed the world by the you know the early day miners.
0: And how did you develop this, Dean? You just looked at it and thought there must be another way.
1: <laughs> well, I, I I first went overseas in nineteen ninety to mine and I was using technology out of America and and I didn't like it so I built my own and and pure and simply as long as your gear is efficient um, and it catches the heavy, it it just does the job and you don't need mercury it's um, it's, it's trial and error and just being able to build stuff that works and and perfecting it and and, really now I'm in a position to um, get it out there so I'm I'm on the road and and trying to, uh, I've got to meet the Global Organisation Fair Trade here in London on Monday and, and they will um, hopefully put me in contact with some people that I've got in Africa and to try and get the ball rolling, to try and get some, some of this tech over there on the, on the ground.
0: Well, good luck with that. and Give us a ring from Africa if you get there and uh, let us know how you're going, okay?
1: Mm. No, I, I certainly will do that. Thank no. you very much.
0: All right, Dean. Good on you. Good Bye. on you. See ya. Bye. Bye-bye.
2: G'day, Macca, this is Johnny. How are you today? Good, thanks, John. Yeah, mate, uh, I'm travelling between uh, Rocky and Mackay at the moment and uh, just thinking what a beautiful country and listening to your show. And, mate, we live in the best country in the world. I've just come from Melbourne and uh, working down in Seymour, Puckapunyal area in uh, country Victoria. I didn't realise how beautiful it was. and We headed home for a couple of days and we're on the road again back to Townsville and we just...
0: What do you um, do, what do, you do, John?
2: Uh, we lay pavers with machines. We've got machines that lay pavers and... We do big container ports and we do a bit of work for the army and sort of travel all around Australia all the time. And we've just been home and had two days at home and
0: back on the road again. That's, uh, everybody seems to be laying pavers. They're laying pavers in my suburb where I live. Um, everybody's, and that, that, by the way, they were made in Australia, these pavers, because I asked. I asked the bloke who was doing it and he said, Yeah, no, there's a motor in Australia. I think they are well, made in Perth, actually. Yeah, well,
2: there's a lot made in Perth. A lot of our wheat, you know, they're made all over Australia. They make them. And the pattern, and my machines pick them up and lay them. So, we, you know, we where I used to have 24 blokes working on one job, mate, we only have eight and we have two machines, and it's a lot easier, you know. But um, but our country is just such a beautiful country, isn't it?
0: It is. It's a lovely place, Johnny. Uh, and uh, so, where are you w- going to be working now in Townsville?
2: Yeah, yeah. We left uh, Melbourne last week, went home. I live in Nungas, and I've got a farm in Nungas. We live there, and, and then nice. we've headed out hit it out again, and, yeah, we're going to Townsville, and we'll be there
0: till the 23rd of December. All right. Good on you, John. Great to talk, mate. Thanks for the call. Great show, mate. Cheers. Thanks very much. <laughs> Bye. day. this is Macca. Hello,
3: Macca. <coughs> Sorry, it's Anne calling. I'm hiking on the Australian Alpine walking track. So I'm calling in from Salwyn South, which is about two days' walk South of Mount
0: Hoffman. Is that like Mount Selwyn, is it, sort of?
3: Um, yes, yes.
0: Selwyn South, eh? Yes. S- so how long have you been on the track?
3: I started on the 30th of October, so today is day, let me look at my diary, day 28. Um, and why? Uh, it just combines all the things I love, which is the Australian bush and walking and seeing different places.
0: Wow um, Yeah It's not cool up there I suppose it's a good time to walk now It's not
3: there. Yeah, it's nice I've had great weather It's a bit blowy today And I've had Rolling thunderstorms Every night For the last week But no rain In of it So So fortunate.
0: So you uh, You Pitch your tent every night And all that sort of thing Do you
3: Yeah Right And today I've camped Next to a little water tank Because I'm going through The dry berries And Little
0: water tanks along the track, so bikers can get water because there's no rivers. No, and you're 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 sort of breaking up a little bit. So we'll try. <laughs> try sorry. Yes,
3: I'm breaking
0: up. Yeah, you're breaking up. Your phone's breaking up. That's because you're out in the middle of nowhere. It's amazing you can talk
3: right. talk, to,
0: <laughs> talk to talk to somebody. So, and uh, how long will you be uh, walking for?
3: Well, I started in Canberra, and I'm hoping to get to Walhalla around the. Eighth or ninth of December. Wow! And, yes.
0: and what do you do when you're out there, Anne? Is it and is there many other people on the
3: track, or um, a handful of people on the track? Um, I run into a few hikers when I get around places like Hotham or Threadbow. but yeah, I just wander along, enjoying the day.
0: Wow! What, and, I talked to a lady in Esperance years ago and she said she went walking and she said she walked off her cares. Um, I suppose, yeah. But I suppose, as my mum used to say me, say to me, um, you're born alone and you die alone. And I didn't really, I've never really understood it, what she meant. I mean, it's up to interpretation that, but I mean, you're alone with your thoughts and yourself, aren't you, out there?
3: And being alone, i got to see more wildlife than I think you would if you were walking along talking with someone. So now I've seen heaps of grumbies and kangaroos and you name it, I've seen it. The only thing I haven't seen is a wild dog, so it's been pretty interesting.
0: And have you done this before, Anne?
3: Um, In 2010, a friend and I attempted it and we got as far as um, Mount Howard in Victoria and we pulled out because we've had atrocious weather. So it's time. It's all the way.
0: And where's home, Anne?
3: Um, I live in Erica, which is a small little town next to Walhalla. So I'm walking home.
0: I'm walking home. Yeah. <laughs> How nice is that? And you, don't yeah. ha- and you don't have headphones on as you're walking, do you, please?
3: No, no. No music, sorry, no radio, only no. in the morning. <laughs> only on
0: Sunday morning, yeah, good. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: All um, right, Anne, well, look, yeah, good luck. Um, yeah. And, uh, sorry.
3: More people, more people should get out and have a look at the Alpine walking
0: track. Yes, I'll say. Um, see you in uh, Erica sometime, Anne, okay?
3: Cool, sorry. Thanks for taking my call.
0: That's a pleasure. Nice
3: to
4: okay. talk to you. Bye. Good morning, Maggie, it's Harry from Cockabitty. Hi, Harry. Um, how are you going? Yeah, good, good. Uh we're just outside of Concorde at the moment and there's four of us and we're trying to ride our push bikes to Melbourne. From F- Perth.
0: From Perth
4: for? Uh we're doing it for Beyond Blue.
0: And how's it going?
4: Uh it's not too bad, it's day five and we're getting we're keen there slowly. <laughs> Morale's high, but S- yeah. so
0: what's the it's just to raise awareness or to raise money or what's the deal, Harry?
4: Um, We're raising money and a bit of awareness. We all work at uh, boarding houses back in Perth, and um, with young kids and stuff. And uh, we sort of want to raise a bit of awareness around um, mental health and trying to open up the conversation about it.
0: And Harry, where are you from? You're from Melbourne or from Perth?
4: Uh, We're from Perth.
0: Uh huh. So this will take you what—a week or so?
4: Uh, A couple of weeks. We're thinking about fourteen days.
0: Uh huh. All right. Um, So, and there's how many of you?
4: Uh, there's four of us, three of us are in the car at the moment, and we a support crew for the bloke on the bike out in front of us.
0: So you just thought this would be a good idea, Harry, did you? What do you do for a, a job, Harry?
4: Um, I'm a supervisor at a boarding house in Perth.
0: Uh-huh. What's that like?
4: Uh, it's pretty good. Uh-huh. I work with the young fellas and take care of
0: them. Uh, and what sort of young fellas are they?
4: Um, most of them are country kids that have come to uh, Perth to board and for high school. Uh-huh. And so they're all pretty
0: good kids. Oh, that's good. That's uh, would be an interesting job too. Well, um, and you're taking two weeks off out of your life to uh, to do this. Well, good on you, Harry. Um, and good luck there. It'll be a bit tough riding across the uh, paddock. Yeah,
4: it's a bit of hard work, but it's
0: all right. Yeah, I, I think there's a bit of weather around too, but uh, probably a bit warm this time of year now. Yeah, it
4: is pretty hot. We have to, we've gone
0: through a lot of sunshine. All right, Harry, keep in touch. Let us know how you go. You'll be in Melbourne, what, in two weeks' time, will you?
4: Yeah, we're hoping for around the eighth or
0: six. Six or eight. All right, well keep in touch, let us know, okay? Thanks, Macca. Good on you, Harry.
4: See you
0: later. Bye. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, on the line is former Deputy Prime Minister and all around good bloke Tim Fisher. Good morning, Tim.
5: Macca, we're the people hand in hand. That's what we're about this morning in Macquarie Street.
0: There you go. What are you where are you you've just got back from Rwanda, I I see, but what? what are you, you where you're in Sydney this morning, are you?
5: Yeah, because uh we're launching uh, the, Chauvel, the book Chauvel and Monash by Roland Perry. It's a terrific uh, book, and it causes Australia, the people, to think again about these two great generals who never got the proper accolades, let alone the correct rank, mm. after World War One. and it's about time we fixed it up. It's uh, it, is, it does go to the fabric of the nation, and there's a groundswell building to get this sorted on Anzac, the
0: Next year, I, I was just thinking when I, <coughs> I read your dissertations on um, Monash and things like that, and then uh, where the suburb where I live, there's there's a street behind our street. It's always been you know called Douglas Haig Street, and you know, I think like, oh yeah, Douglas Haig, big deal. And then latterly, over the last you know 20 years, I've realised well that must be named after uh, General Douglas Haig,
5: Field Marshal Douglas Haig, Field Marshal, and, and, and,
0: and look, I don't know, and I don't want to disparage, but. Some say he's a bit of, he's a, bit of a dud, um, but, look, I'm not here to say that. But he, he uh, yeah, he... Uh he did
5: one good thing, Macca. He promoted Monash, uh, supported the promotion of Monash, which Hughes did as well, WM Hughes, until he got jealous of him, to head the Australian Corps and show the British, the Yanks and others, how to begin to turn the tide on the Western Front. Monash did not win the war outright, neither Chevelle, but they made a huge contribution with the AIF, with the leadership of their men, with looking after the diggers.
0: There you go. Um, and that launches on where today, Tim?
5: Uh, down at the um, Royal Automobile Club at, uh, at uh, 10, 10 o'clock. Uh, it's a bit of fun. I should be packing up Borey Creek to move complete the move to Gonga, but uh, we'll resume that tomorrow today. A bit of positive connection, and I would urge people to raise this with their federal members. We, the people, have the right to raise it, even though there was some pushback from uh, from past um, vice regal representatives. Yeah, uh, it won't open the floodgates. It can only possibly involve just two people: John Monash of Gerildry and Harry Chauvel, born Tabulon.
0: And the Chauvels are obviously because the the his brother that was his brother, wasn't it? Um, the um, the filmmaker, and he it, he was the bloke who was supposed to. They described him as fiercely Australian or something like that because he made, those, he made those great Australian movies, didn't he?
5: Exactly. And, I mean, if the Yanks can promote George Washington 176 years after his death, if the Australian army can promote a colonel to brigadier three months after his death in a precedent in 1915, then we, the people, the Australian government and the Australian parliament, as amongst others Josh Frydenberg and Michael Danby would argue, can uh, can urge a consideration for the promotion of Monash and Chauvel one step in rank only to field marshal after all, Prince Charles became an honorary field marshal in two thousand and twelve. We have four only Australian field marshals, only one was born in Australia that would be blaming
0: yeah, and what was the other what was the other general that um, in that song um, the tears of um, does matter after um uh, Denali. What was the last man from Denali? Um, um Doesn't matter. I'll, I'll think of it in a minute. But look, you just come back from you've just come back from R- Rwanda, right? And you um... and they've
5: banned the plastic bag completely. And two years ago they did that. So we got a big lecture on the flight into Rwanda. <laughs> Must not take plastic bags in. If you got them in your baggage, take them out. Uh, it was for the crop trust for the seed vault where um, I'm now, the incoming chair, where we look after the seeds of the world as a sort of Banker of the last resort way up there in northern Norway, wheat, oats, barley, potato and the like. Seeds mm. on ice for food forever.
0: I, re- I read, uh, it's funny, isn't it? I was just going through my, and I'd kept, a, um, I'd kept a, uh, a clipping out of The Australian from 2008 and it was about... Um, this is unusual for you, Macca. No, 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 it's not. Um, my mother, my mother used to run a clipping service for me. She say, "You might be interested in it because I never had time to read anything or do it. This is years ago, so she'd she'd clip everything. But this this was about the banning of plastic bags, and it was about the productivity productivity commission's report. And it was back then, and and they sort of found that it was sort of a bit like much ado about nothing. That um, I'll read you a little bit." It says the report found the banning of plastic bags would be a waste of effort at high cost for little environmental payoff. Many plastic bags were already recycled and used as rubbish bags, reducing the impact removing shopping bags would have on the waste stream. A small proportion of bags ended up as litter. If the litter was the problem, the report said far better to deal with that directly. Um, and it goes on. So, I mean... Question mark. Yeah. You've got to,
5: when you see those uh, clusters of plastic bags in the oceans, um, yeah, let's have an updated investigation. Uh, get on. I mean, Rwanda, Kigali is the tidiest African capital city I've ever been to for this two-day conference. albeit we didn't have time to go beyond the uh, Memorial Museum for the genocide, but not outside Kigali. But oh, God, it was tidy, clean, mm. and uh, let's have another look at it.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, the the bloke I was thinking about was Pompey Elliott. He seemed like a good, decent sort of a bloke too. Unbelievable,
5: and and a bit cheated as well, but he turned the tide in that huge lunge on uh, Operation Michael in 18 centenary coming up. So we've got some very big centenaries next year. I think the people will re-engage with this, the Battle of Villers-Bretonneux and the John Monash Centre opening on Anzac Eve. It's already in President Macron's diary to be there, right there in that part of France where he lives. Not uh, He grew up not far from there. Uh, we've got the Battle of Hamel, 4th of July, Monash's 93-minute battle. He said it should take 90 minutes, not <laughs> nine weeks stuck in the, in the mud and dust. It took 93 minutes. And, of course, um, Armion, the big one, which also gets written down in history by the Brits and the Yanks. So the Brits and Yanks historians are going to dominate next year. I'm uh-huh. going to give them a run for their money.
0: Uh, Tim, uh, where's, this, uh, where's your book launch on again at the Automobile it's, Club in Sydney? Roland it? Terry's book, and it's at the Automobile Club, and there'll be
5: some for sale uh, there. But it's in good bookshops. And uh, along with a certain book called Maestro John Monash, which I wrote a couple of years back, but um, it's unfolding. This is a thing that's got to go and be driven from the grassroots up and challenge those who would say it would open the floodgates. It will not.
0: All right. Tim Fisher, nice to talk to you, mate. Um, Great Sunday. Take yep, care. Good on you, mate. Bye.